Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Southfield. We're glad you're here this morning. Would you please stand as we sing together and lift our voices in praise to God? Heavenly Father, our creator, Lord, we love you, and we lift our voices to you this morning with a shout of praise, Lord, with a melody of worship, God. Lord, we lay down who we are to you, Father, a Father we can trust, a Father who loves us more than we can imagine. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. No, it's not a guest speaker. It's just Dennis and a tie. Yeah, I know. You're not used to that. Adjust your, adjust your volume. There you go. Now you got it. It's me. Uh, there are practices that God has given to us as a church that he says, I want you to do this. You're to obey me in this. He says, I want you to get together. You're to gather. You're, you're, to, get, you're to gather together as my kids. He says, when you get together, I want you to take bread and cup, and I want you to remember me. And then there are other practices that he didn't directly command, but we have, we have things that happen in the Bible that we can look and say, that's a good practice. And that's a practice that we choose to implement as a church family. And one of those practices, not everybody does it, is a family dedication. Family dedication is an opportunity to stand before a church body and say, I want you to hold me accountable as a mom and a dad uh, to raise my child in a way that they'll come, they'll have the opportunity to come to know and love Jesus. And I want you uh, to be part of raising that child. Uh, you're, my, you're my family, the whole bunch of you. You're my family. I want you to be a part of that. So in the first service, the Freemans brought their baby boys. I'm trying to think, it might be the first time I've dedicated twins, which is kind of fun. So got a picture of them. Aren't they just a hoot, man? I, I was asking, you know, because they're only like eight months old. And I went and saw them when they were brand new. And the one baby was like five pounds and the other was a little less. And, oh, they're not that anymore. They are. Solid dudes look just like their brother Wyatt. They're amazing. And then we have this guy coming today. The Kyles are bringing their baby boy Alexander up here. And Alexander is going to be dedicated to Jesus today as well as the family. So come on up. Big sisters are coming as well. Savannah and Avery, they finally have somebody to boss around. They've been waiting all their life for this. Yay! <clears throat> I believe it was July 9th. Was that the day that you all, is that 5th, 5th, July 5th, uh, that they had the privilege of, come on up here a little bit. Uh, oh, no, sorry. July 5th, <laughs> July 5th was the day we got Alexander in 2017. Okay. July 9th is when it was official. That's the right. day he yeah. became a Kyle. So this guy, the thing I love about um, parenting and marriage is that God gave them to us as pictures 
They're pictures of our relationship with him. So we're told directly by Paul that marriage is a picture of the bride and, and Jesus. And then parenting. My goodness, the things we learn about parenting, the, the things that God teaches us about himself as a father by giving us children. But one of the beautiful pictures that we're given is that every once in a while, we get to adopt a child and call that child our own. And a few years back, God opened the heart of this family to say, let's bring this little guy in. He is just, I'm telling you what, he lights up a room. He walks in and you want to go, you want to go see him. My, my wife, not too long ago, is uh, standing, in, standing in the gathering space. And Alexander comes up and he looks at her and he just goes, you want a hug? She wants it as a ringtone, okay? She, she's ready to just hear that. And I think it was about a year ago, they posted you, oh, I don't know where you were. You were in your car seat. You were driving somewhere. And he was doing this crazy, <laughs> you sounded like a dolphin. And I'm telling you what, there are days I just go back and watch that again because it cheers me up so much. It's hilarious. It's so wonderful. So the book of Deuteronomy tells us that... Um, God gives the law. He gives a repeat of the law through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And then chapter 6 comes. And he says, here's what I want you to do with that law. I want you to take everything I've taught you as adults, and I want you to impress it on your children. I love that word impress, because to me it's the idea of a fingerprint. I'm going to impress. I'm going to impress my child with God. I'm going to impress my child with the love of God. They're going, to, they're going to learn who God is, not just through my verbal instruction, but through watching me, which is far more intimidating than verbal instruction, right? Because we mess up. God the Father does not mess up. And I think the privilege we get as parents then is the privilege of the apology. To be able to say to our kids, I'm not God. I do mess up. I do get it wrong sometimes. So um, God's just given you an amazing privilege here of raising this little boy so that he has this fantastic opportunity to get to know you better. And through getting to know you better, he gets to know uh, God his Father all that much the more. You have a couple of verses that you've selected um, for Alexander. And I, I've, I've put them over on electronic just because I've got some uh, versions that are so helpful. There's a beautiful, beautiful verse... I agree. <laughs> Beautiful verse in, in the Old Testament. Yeah, you're, you're like pulling apart the collar there. There's this beautiful verse in uh, one, of the, one of the prophets speaks about God. He says, the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I love the idea, Alexander, that God sings over you. God the Father sings over you. Another version puts it this way. The Lord is in, our, in your midst, a mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. I love that he's going to take that spirit of yours and just in those times that you might be anxious, he's going to bring quiet to your spirit and he will exult over you with loud singing. God sings over you the same way you sing in the car seat, just letting the world know. Everybody here? Yeah, exactly. Everybody here? Do, do you want to ask him if they want a hug? Yeah. 
And then this beautiful verse from Isaiah 41. So do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. I am your God. That's you. I will make you strong and help you. You might be a pastor. I will hold you safe in my hands. I will always do what is right by you. Hey, Alexander, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. God loves you a lot. He really does. Will you let me hold you? Okay. Okay. What? No, that, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, Ucky. That makes us really loud, and if you figure that out, we got big problems. So, your mom and your dad gave you a great new middle name. Your name is Alexander Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. God is always with you, dude. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you have a pair of sisters that love you a ton. You have a mom whose heart bursts with love for you. You have a dad who wants to squeeze you. He loves you so much. And guess what? God loves you even more. He's always with you. All right? You never forget that, okay? God wants to give you lots of big hugs all your life. You got it? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So, Alexander, we pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face shine on you and that he'll give you peace. We look forward to that day not too long from now that that peace will come to your heart when you trust in Jesus as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life. I'm grateful that you have a mom and dad who opened their doors wide and said, come on in, little guy. We want you. You're ours. And you're God's too. And you're your sister's too. And you're this church's too. So many people love you. I pray that your life will be filled with love. That you'll know what real love is. That you'll turn up and down. Yeah. Pray that you will know and love Jesus. And that you'll know, always know that we love you. Amen. That was quite a show. We knew it was going to be an adventure. You want to go, Mama? There you go. Congratulations. That's awesome. Congratulations. And girls. Have fun with them. He's a hoot. (laughs) Uh, We're going to sing, learn a new song today. And it's a song that goes so well with what we've already heard today. That idea that we're never alone. You are never alone, no matter what you're going through. Um, you may be going through a really difficult time physically or emotionally. You, you may be in a fi- situation in your family or at work or, or whatever that, that you're even, you're experiencing something that might be described as persecution, where people are actually, people are actually giving you grief because of your faith. You are never, ever, ever alone. Emmanuel, God is always with you. Let's stand and sing this song together.
Emmanuel, God with us, never alone. While you're standing there reflecting on those words, you might just want to lower your head for a moment. I want you to get in your mind a situation right now that leaves you feeling very alone. It may be one that frightens you. It may depress you. It may aggravate you. It's just the kind of situation that you think, I feel so alone in this. Go ahead and have a seat. And while you reflect on that, I want you to think about these three guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three men who served a king who was pretty arrogant. A king arrogant enough to build a statue to himself and say, everybody better bow to it or I will kill you. I'll have you cast into a furnace, you will burn. And as that crowd that day bowed their knee, whether they believed or not, they didn't want to die. Three guys stay standing, stood tall. In this mass of people stood tall. And there were rats in the crowd that went and told the king, King couldn't believe it. He admired these guys. He likes these guys. He says to him, what are you thinking? I told you if you don't bow. I told you if you don't bow. I'm casting you into the furnace. He even gives an opportunity to bow again. Their response, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, I love that. They acknowledge they're not in charge of this, God is. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. Uh, Next line, Nebuchadnezzar was furious, angry enough to heat the furnace seven times hotter, so hot that when the three are bound and they're taken to the furnace, the people who throw them in the furnace die on the spot. It's so hot. Says these men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, were there three men that we tied and threw threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. It says that when they came out of their fire, their bodies were not burned, their hair was not singed, their robes were not scorched. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. God chose to protect them completely. But whether he chose to bring them back out of the fire or whether he chose to let them die in the fire, here is the truth. They were never alone. And whatever situation you've identified, you are never alone. Emmanuel, God is with you always. We need that reminder again today, and so we'll be going to communion, two tables at the back, two on the side, 
the two gluten-free stations on the sides of the stage. And as you take communion today, would you remember that Jesus never, ever, ever leaves you alone? Just be quiet with that for a moment, and then we'll go to communion. Uh, receive the offering as they do have a number of things to tell you about uh, church family uh, in fact a bunch of our friends aren't here today they're enjoying the kind of these last couple weekends before yes school starts I'm sorry to say it out loud but it's about to happen so uh, in fact uh, several of our our gang today our student leaders are are back at Green Lake today for a leader retreat reviewing what happened at Green Lake, and then looking at what's going to be happening into the fall, so you can kind of, you can keep them in your prayers. A number of other things to be praying for right now. Uh, Michelle and Brandon Davis, not too long ago, had a baby. His name is Noah. He's born early, so he's still in the hospital. Mom and dad would love to have that baby home with them. So uh, if you just continue to lift them up in prayer. Found out this morning that Jennifer Scharf became a grandma last night again at 1.30 in the morning. So if you know Jennifer, make sure you pass along your congratulations to her. Uh, Kathy Nesser is just a week away from relocating to Georgia. So if you know Kathy, make sure, make sure you send that along to her. And I uh, want to continue to pray for Diane Jakubowski as she's uh, dealing with that broken foot and the healing of that. And for uh, Jim Borden as well, who not too long ago had uh, bypass or um, valve surgery and is recovering from that. But he's been, he's been in hospitals and, and in recovery for a long time. So won't be too long before he gets to come back home. So if you keep him in your prayers as well, that would be great. There were uh, a lot of different things going on this week at Green Lake, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Dave Papish and Jerry Stroman headed back up to finish off some electrical work. So uh, they had kind of the old uh, metal halide and sodium lights that had that beautiful orange glow that didn't allow you to see the stars very well. And slowly but surely, those lights have been being replaced with LED lights that, that shine down and just, it looks amazing and beautiful. And then later in the week, some of us headed on back to finish off some of the, some of the benches that we've been working on as well. So uh, Green Lake will be celebrating its 75th anniversary next week. And again, I want to commend our kids and our, and our adult leaders who did so much work uh, to get everything in, in place and in shape for the celebration that's going to be taking place next week. So I, I, there's, a, there's a piece of where I am in my, in my stage as a teacher and a pastor that, that I, really, I really love, I really appreciate. And that is that there are things that I, I studied in the past things that I learned in the past that, that I won't necessarily say I changed my mind on. In fact, when I think through it, there are very few areas that I've, that I've like completely shifted from a perspective that I had before. But what I find is happening uh, is that there are areas that God is um, expanding knowledge of what I had before. So there might have been an area that I had kind of a, a narrow perspective on something. I had this slice and God said, okay, I want to open it up so that, so that you see this a little bit more broad, broadly. And that is actually part of what we've been studying for the past several weeks. Uh, a few years back, we, we took a look at uh, these four metaphors that, that Larry Crabb, a teacher and psychologist, uh, discovered in the Bible. Basically, they're ways that we try to make life work on our own apart from God. Now, if you see that something is a, is a strategy to make life work on your own apart from God, you pretty much get the idea, that's a bad thing. You, that's something you want to get rid of. That's something you want to eradicate. That's something you want to move past. 
But as I have a chance to really think about it more and, and process it in my own life, what I've found is that what can be really bad, what can hold us back, what can be, what can be baggage in our life that holds us back can actually be used of God. It can be redeemed to be a more resourceful thing that becomes luggage for the journey of life. And so rather than trying to eradicate these four approaches that we tend to take, rather than trying to live life apart from God, how can we take these approaches and actually incorporate them in such a way that they're positive, that they're redeemed, and that they're resourceful? Because all of them, I think, really display a part of the wiring God has placed in you. And he's not saying, I just want to... I want to totally eradicate your wiring. He's saying, I want to redeem your wiring. I want to redeem your personality. I want to take parts of you that you were using in a way that was not productive, and I want to make them resourceful and beautiful. And so we looked at these four approaches. We looked at the city builder, whose primary issue is an issue of trust. He doesn't think he rely on God. She doesn't think that she can rely on people. And so they decide to take it in their own hands. They're going to make things happen on their own. They're going to rely on no one else. The whitewasher has struggles with the truth. Uh, they, along the way, they saw the truth as hurtful, harmful, even conveyed in a hateful way. And so they said, we're, we're, just, we're just not going to deal with hard things. We're, we're going to put some whitewash on it. We're going to pretend that it's not a problem. And they have, a pro- they have an opportunity as a redeemed person to be a wonderful, gentle, tender truth teller. We have the well digger. The well digger who has an issue with thirst, with hunger, with desire. And they take their desiring, and instead of taking that desire that's placed there by God and turning it toward getting to know him more and being satisfied in him, they try to find satisfaction everywhere else. Today we come to the firelighter. And one of the other things I like about where I am in my stage of life is that there are times I preach sermons because y'all need to hear it, and there are times I preach sermons because I need to hear it. And today we get to preach to Dennis, so you all can just sit and watch. Dennis is kind of a poster child of firelighter. If you want to know what a firelighter looks like up close and personal, let's go to lunch, and you'll get a really good idea of what a firelighter looks like. So we said that we would, we would talk about what their primary issue is, and ironically, It's no different than the city builder. The city builder and the firelighter both have issues with trust. But the reason they have issues with trust are very, very different. The city builder believes that they have to rely on themselves. Nobody else is trustworthy. It's a little bit different, a little bit different for the the firelighter. The city builder has issues with power and self-reliance. They they need power. They need to build things on their own. They need that ability, and they rely on themselves. For the firelighter, it's more an issue of confidence. It's more an issue of, sadly, control. Somewhere along the line in life, they felt left out of the loop. They felt like there was, there was some information they were missing, and if they'd have received that information, life wouldn't have been so hard. And so they become, they become great researchers. They're, they're the ones that are they're always trying to find out all the facts, whether it's, whether it's Googling it 
or, or just plain putting the hot light on you and the Inquisition and getting every little detail. In fact, they can. They need facts. They need knowledge because that's what they believe gives them the confidence to move forward. So it's different. Both are issues of trust, but really their issue of trust is one of confidence. It's one of confidence. It's not of power. It's not of self-reliance but it is one instead of controlling their own universe. So, so let's look at this fire layer a little bit. Their, their prime passage, their key passage is from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 10 to 11. We read, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servants? Question is given. Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, that's all of us, right? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. This is where God wants the firelighter to live. Doesn't want the firelighter running around turning on all the switches. God's saying, I want it to be dark. And I want you to know that I'm able to see in the dark. I want you to know that I know what you don't know. And I want you to trust me. I just want you to trust me. Just rely on me. Allow your confidence not to be in the facts that you know. Allow your confidence to be in the fact that I know the facts, God says. Rely on me. But he goes on to say, but now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches. So he says, some of you, some of you can't handle the dark. You got to go, you got to go get your big lighter. You got to go light your torch. You got to figure it out for yourself. You need a closet full of flashlights. You got to figure it out yourself. Go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you've set ablaze. This is what you will receive from my hand. God says, you will lie down in torment. He says, you'll never get the answer you're looking for. You will never get the confidence you were looking for. You will never ever find in yourself and in your knowledge what you can only find in God. I took that term, walk in the light, and in the concordance, just tried to find different places that that term or the idea of that term came up in Scripture you look at Psalm 56, 13, it says, For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This is what God wants. We talked about, we talked about the fact that the, the whitewasher needs to learn how to walk in truth. The firelighter needs to work, learn how to walk in light, the light of God, which means they're walking in darkness, but they're trusting that God can see in the dark. God's light. We walk in the light of life. Blessed are those, Psalm 89, 15 says, who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. And so if we know Emmanuel is with us, we don't have to see. We don't have to know because he sees. He knows. Isaiah 2, 5, beautiful invitation. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The firelighter needs to hear that again and again. Walk in the light of the Lord. This passage we read at Christmas, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the deep darkness. A light has dawned and his name is Jesus. John eight twelve. Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. 
And that beautiful passage from the epistle of 1 John, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. So like the others, let's look at some characteristics of these folks. Uh, This is like an autobiography here. They have mixed feelings. They're unable to choose between two usually opposing opinions. So this is what's interesting about firelighters. They're able to investigate things to a point that they can kind of see the validity of all sides. Well, that makes sense. Well, that sounds good. I can understand that. And they get paralyzed because they can see a little bit of good in everything. So they're, they're kind of, well, we could do this, or we could do this, or we could do this. The city builder is standing there with his hammer. I just want to build. Let's go. And, you know, and the firelighter keeps saying, but there are so many options. The more options, the more paralyzed, indecisive, very slow to decide, paralyzed by options and lack of details. That's the word that's key for the firelighter. Their lack of knowledge... Or not being able to sort out the knowledge and synthesize the knowledge leads to paralysis. They have a hatred of uncertainty and mystery and the unknown. They panic when there isn't a clear, predictable plan. They're very well read and informed. Big libraries. And they they love to research and they're a font of facts. You want to know something about something? Talk to a firelighter. I mean, they know it. They know all the details. They, they've studied it. They've got a good handle on it. And if they don't, they'll have, a, they'll have a brief for you next week if you just ask them about it, okay? They tend to get caught up in the latest fad or remedy that helps them try to manage life. They have a lot of daytimers. They've tried this again and again and again. They determine to find out what will happen so they can prepare for it. Firelighters are hilarious on vacation with a well digger. Well, Digger wakes up and says, I want to go on vacation. Where? I don't know. Let's just get in the car. Are you kidding me? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I mean, what if the hotel isn't available? What if, what if we drive too far and there isn't gas? What if, what if there isn't a Burger King nearby? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Gets real fun, doesn't it? They can come across very competent. They avoid situations or people they can't predict or control. This is a big piece for them. They, they want stability. They want to be able to know what's coming next so that they can manage life. They either pretend it's clear when it's not or withdraw and avoid that which produces uncertainty or confusion. I think the, the firelighter tends to operate out of one of those two places. They'll either fake it till they make it or they say, I can't be around this right now. I need to go, I need to, go to some silence, process it, figure it out. They're frustrated with questions or challenges that take away clarity or add complications. They don't like risk. They're not crazy about surprises and unanticipated changes. Here's another key word for them. One is paralyzed. The other is processor. If you have a firelighter in your life, they probably use the word process or some variant of that often. I need a chance to just think it out. You're pressuring me too much. I just need some time to think. Give me some breathing space. About three weeks and we'll be fine. You come back three weeks. Can you give me one more week? This is, this is the life of the firelighter. Underlying issue is confidence. I don't know enough yet. If I know a little more, I'll be able to figure it out. Key phrases, what am I missing? I need to know. I need to know more. Firelighters think they find confidence in knowing. But here's the problem. The firelighter of all people knows they can't ever really know. They're always, I mean, it's like buying a new computer, right? You bought a new computer, next week the new model comes out. Ah, you got to be kidding me. They did this to me again. It's always, it's always just out of reach, just out of reach. And so they think they finally know what they need to know. But guess what? Now there's one more thing they need to know. 
And so they don't have the confidence that they're hoping for. Firelighters find mystery either frustrating or frightening. A mystery happens and they either, they either want to force it until it breaks or they're scared and they run away. You see, firelighters, of all, of, all of all these four, firelighters have a tenuous relationship with letting go. That verse, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It, the literal translation of that is let go of your grip. Release your grip and know that I am God. Oh, firelighters don't like to release their grip. Firelighters like to grasp it. Firelighters like to control it. Firelighters aren't looking to give in. But what, here's what we know. Life is a, is a series of invitations to let go, to release control, to surrender by walking in darkness while trusting the true source of light. Now again, like we said, you have one primary uh, way of operating. One of these four is you, but all of these, all of us do this sometimes. All of us have issues of surrender. All of us have issues of letting go. And God wants to say, just give in to me. Just let go. And we don't want to. So how do we move from, from luggage to bag, from baggage to luggage in our journey with God? What does that look like? Here are a couple of verses that just make firelighters crazy. Genesis 12.1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to a land I'll show you. No, I'll go when you tell me where we're going. I'll go when you tell me the path. I'll go when you tell me what the weather's going to be like. I want the details. I literally, early on in my life, as I'm preparing for ministry, I'm like, God, I'll do anything you want. Just tell me how it's going to turn out. I'm even willing to be a martyr. Just tell me I'm going to be burned or boiled. I need to know. I need to know how it's going to work out. And you know what? God just doesn't do that. He says, check out the dark. I'm here, but we're going to walk in the dark together. How about this one? Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. There's that mystery thing. There are some things only God knows and only God will ever know. God will never tell you. You'll get to heaven. You'll be like, God, tell me something that only you know. No. Ah! You know, there are some things only God knows and only God will ever know. And he lets you know some things. It says, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. that We may follow all the words of this law. God keeps saying, I'm God. Let go. Be still and know that I am God. Release your grip and know that I am God. So how does this person become more resourceful in their relationship with God? First, I will learn to embrace God's mystery. I'm going to get better with (laughs) the secret things belong to the Lord by God. There are some things only God knows and I will never know. And I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm not only okay with that, I embrace that. I embrace that reality. Second, I will let God be the omniscient one. Here's a a little sad thing about firelighters. Confession time, right? Forgive me, Father, I have sinned. Um, Firelighters are proud of what they know. There's some pride. They've done done their homework. Y'all didn't do your homework. Y'all showed up with a blank piece of paper, but the firelighter, all the blanks are filled in. And they kind of cover their paper, you know. You should have worked harder. Firelighters are fun because when everybody else is talking, the firelighter is going, oh, I can't believe they didn't think that one through. 
And they kind of laugh inside because they can see that they, they haven't thought it out quite yet. They haven't gotten there. And there's this little piece in the firelighter that likes to pretend they're omniscient, which I think is why every once in a while God says, you got a great plan. And there are a few things I'm not going to tell you until you go ahead and implement your plan. And then it's going to blow up and I'm going to prove I'm God, you're not. How about this one? If you're going to go grow in this, be more resourceful, I will make an intentional practice of letting go. You're going to develop this as a spiritual discipline. Every once in a while, you're going to say to someone else in your life, here are the keys you drive. Every once in a while, you're going to say, this project needs to be done. Here's the folder. You implement it. And you're going to watch. And you're not going to bring your wisdom to it. You're not going to bring... You're, you're just going to go along for the ride. You're going to let go. You're going to find areas that you can let go from time to time. Because in the letting go, you're going to start to learn to be more resourceful. You're going to start to learn to surrender. You're going to realize that you don't have value because you know. You have value because you're a child of God. Your knowing isn't what gives you value. The fact that you're a child of God is what gives you value. And it's okay to let go. And it's okay sometimes to let it blow up. I'll tell you what, being a firelighter and a parent is a pain in the neck, right? I mean, how many times as a parent you watch your kid about to do something, you go, oh, please don't, don't open door number three. I know what's behind door number three. Don't open. What do they do? Door number three. You know, and you knew it. And they've got to grow, not by you sharing every ounce of wisdom you've accumulated through the centuries, but by doing it themselves. Letting go. Kid, here's the keys to your life. You drive for a little while. Let's see how that works out. Accept the invitation. Come, O firelighters. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. And how do I move from baggage to luggage in my relationship with myself? What does that look like? Again, three things. And I've learned these ones from personal experience. First, I will act on what I know today. Firelighters are horrible about believing. They have, they have to collect every piece of known knowledge in the universe before they can take action. And the fact is, as a, as a non-omniscient human being, you can only know so much, so you have to act on what you know today. And I promise you, tomorrow you're going to find out something. You go, oh man, if I'd have known that, I'd have done this. That's part of letting go. That's part of believing that as I walk in the dark, God is with me and he's not, he's not looking to abandon me or betray me. And all of this is working together for a purpose that is greater than me expressing my font of knowledge to the universe. So beyond that, I'll, I'll impose a limit on my research. I, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll look into this for the next week, and then I'm done. I, this isn't going to be three years later. Well, I have one more thing to study, one more thing to decide. Again, to be able to move away from the paralysis by saying, I know what I know today, and I know God, and that's enough. Third one's kind of interesting and, and, and tough. I will carefully express my expressed need. I will carefully examine my expressed need to process. So if you know a firelighter, they love this word. I just need to process it. 
Give me some time to process. Give me some time to think it out. And for the firelighter, we need to start evaluating. We need to go deep. We need to do some self-examination and ask ourselves the question, is this really about processing or is this really about control? Am I basically slamming the brakes on everybody in my life by saying, give me time to process? And I'm controlling the situation instead of saying, no, here's the keys. Go ahead and drive. I'm willing to release this. The person to ponder is Nicodemus, Nick at night. Nicodemus, Pharisee, teacher of the law. He knows, he knows everything there is to know until he meets Jesus. He's like, who in the world are you? Where did you go to school? The stuff you know, I can't believe it. And everything Jesus says, Nicodemus comes back. How in the world do you know that? How do I know that's true? How can I know that's true? And Jesus ultimately says to him, the only way you're going to know what's true is if you know me. It's about knowing God. It's not about knowing facts. It's about walking in the light of the Lord. It's not about what you accumulate in knowledge. It's a beautiful prayer for the firelighter, really for all of us, but I think it hits home for the firelighter. It's written, my Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. That in itself is a frightening admission for a firelighter. I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. And then there's this point of self-admission. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. There's this admission that sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll slap a little God on what we want to do. You know, we know what we want to do, and, and we'll make it sound religious, when in fact, inside, we're just fulfilling our own will. But here's what I love. But he says, but I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. Though I may not know, though I may know nothing about it. There's this again, walking in darkness, but he is the light. Walking in the darkness, but he can see in the light. Therefore I will therefore will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow, in the darkness of death, I will not fear. For you are ever with me, Emmanuel, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Live that prayer. Let that prayer sink in. Let that prayer sink in. Now let me just show you, this is where we're going next week. I'm loving this. We're going to see how all these people mash together. It's been kind of fun as we've been doing this. I've had like a couple couples go, okay, now, now we know why we have all the problems we do in our marriage. All right? They've, they've kind of they've figured this out. And, and our tendency is to look at the broken side of this. Our tendency is to see why we have a trouble or a struggle with someone because we're this and they're that. But we're going to look at it from the redeemed side. And the fact that some of these pairings actually come together in a beautiful way to accomplish God's purposes in the world when we're not trying to live life apart from God, but we're actually walking in the light, we're walking in truth, we're living life with God. So let's stand and we'll pray. Now, God in heaven, as we walk through this week, I know this. There will be moments that will be really dark, and we will be tempted to reach for the switch, 
We will tempt to be re- reach for the lighter, the match, the flashlight, whatever it is we use. I pray that we would endure the darkness long enough to sense your presence, to know that you are there and you love us, to know that Emmanuel is always close by. Help us to find our confidence not in what we know, but who we know. That's what matters, who we know. We know Jesus. Amen. We'll see you next week.